0: You're listening to the NOMCAST, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. Hello and welcome to the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NOMCASTPOD on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web. At nomcastpod.com. All right, on today's show, we're reviewing one of the Biggest Netflix original films of the year, Don't Look Up, a disaster movie with the backbeat of a satirical comedy, brought to us by a man who never makes an uncomplicated film. Writer director Adam McKay, he of course is the creator of such films as The Big Short and Vice, which have previously landed him multiple nominations at the Oscars. Is this film also Oscar worthy? Does it match up to his previous success? Well, let's find out. Here with me to discuss the film is the co-host of the Guy at the Movies podcast and the man behind What the Oscars Got Wrong Wednesdays on his Instagram account, Math Teacher Movies, Mr. Sean Phillips. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. You forgot. I'm also uh, one of the
1: stars of Don't Look Up, as well as every human being that ever existed. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The irony of that statement is I found out through listening to stuff from Adam McKay is that there's so many fake computer people in this movie because they had to, because of covid they had to like use cgi like crowd people and everything else that they just mocked so you could be one of those you could be one of these right now we've never met in person you're doing a fine job of fooling me if that's the case i've been <laughs> often known that uh, i exhibit the same
1: properties of a computer animated person so therefore uh, <laughs> you know there always could be that chance but now that you say that there is a shot that we'll talk about late way later in the in the pod if we need to um sure uh, it's an unsettling shot and now that i know that there were a lot of cgi people I now know why that shot is so unsettling, which that <laughs> so I'm gonna, we're going to go back to that one later, but uh wow, now that makes so much sense of why that was so crazy.
0: Well, I'm glad I can crystallize it for you, man. <laughs> this hopefully this podcast will not be as bleak and nihilistic as uh, the movie itself. We'll hopefully keep up some of the energy and keep keep it nice and light as we go through here. Uh there's so much to talk about because You know, this movie just landed in theaters limited uh, on the 10th of December. It comes out on Netflix on the 24th. Um, We're doing this ahead of that. We're doing it on the Monday before. So if anything changes between now and then, you know why. Um, But one thing that is already starting to, to pop up is an interesting critical look at this film. Um, between the the actual critical scores coming out from from other critics and also it now has four golden globe nominations, six critics choice nominations and was named one of the top films of the year from the national border review. So, we're here to suss out whether that means anything to us, whether it's going to mean anything as it gets towards the Oscars. We'll probably do a bunch of award stuff, but first things first, you know, this is a movie that like I said up top, it's, it's such an odd mixture in terms of being a disaster movie, a satirical comedy, kind of, but also being really heavy in a lot of it. And it's this weird dynamic that he's created here about two low-level astronomers uh, upon discovering that a meteor will strike the Earth in six months who goes on a media tour to try to warn the world but finds an unreceptive and unbelieving populace. Uh, so this was a movie that was originally set at Paramount before being acquired by Netflix, and it's got so many stars. You obviously, uh, you know, made a joke about that already with DiCaprio uh, and Jennifer Lawrence being the main leads here, and then God, it's just a murderer's row from there on out: Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, Mark Rylands, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet ariana grande you know ron perlman who's one of my favorite things in this whole thing tyler perry etc 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 but it is already polarizing even for how much success it has already had um the critical scores right now 7.5 on imdb a 52 meta score which uh would be supremely low for a movie that might end up in the best picture race uh, 56% tomato meter, 72% audience score and a 3.4 letterbox. Sean, I'm going to, I'm going to point it right to you before we get into our own opinions. What have you kind of seen here? And do you think now based on seeing the movie, does it match up to what you've kind of seen?
1: This is exactly what I thought it was going to be, Um, um where we look at a movie where um, a meteor is heading to the earth um, and it's uh, half of uh, the politicians choose to uh, lead uh, their group to just simply not believe it. The on the nose symbolism is right there staring at you. And so I'm kind of like uh, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, OK, so I already get what the movie is without seeing the movie. And right. I don't know if that's what. They wanted, or they did want that. I'm not sure. Maybe that's what their goal was. But I f- if I'm figuring out the themes of this movie before seeing it, there's already a problem there. And I think that uh, this movie was funny. It was very funny. Um, it uh, was, you know, taking some jokes that were low hanging fruit. But hey, when the fruit hangs low, take those swipes. Fine. I'll take it. Um, sure. I, I think satire is hard, and I think it's harder than you know people think. And you know, I'm not going to be someone that gives a uh, you know dissertation about satire in front of you right now, but I think that it's <laughs> it's a little bit more challenging than that. I think when you have dark humor as well, that gets tricky. It's like, oh no, we'll have half the movie be excruciatingly painfully dark, and then we'll have the other half being goofy. No, that's not what we're dealing with with dark humor. Um, right. The the bottom line with this is this movie decided to really genuinely frustrate me um, because of what's going on in the movie, and also just really bother me because it's put up at a reflection of the country, um, right? And with those two things, it's like okay, they did those two things, and the resolution is, well, we're fucked, and that's the, uh, whether that's going to be true or not in our lifetimes. I, I I want a little bit more from the movie. I want a little bit more when I'm throwing out uh, my half eaten popcorn because, you know, <laughs> I'm, <Right. laughs> I'm working on the diet. But it, instead, it was that that's all I got in the very end. And it just felt unsatisfying.
0: Yeah. In a lot of ways, it, this movie's a spiritual successor to Vice, his last film, because it's kind of a, a continuing conversation around. The mixed messaging that was surrounding the serious nature of global warming uh, that was in the Bush's White House that was covered in vice. And then also, you know, this is kind of what McKay does, you know, <laughs> and, and he and that movie also ends in kind of a, a downbeat too, kind of leading to, well, we did this to ourselves or we allowed this to happen, this kind of reflexive thing uh, that, you know. Again, a very polarizing film. Some people buy into that, McKay's style. I'm a person, uh, I was telling you off air, like The Big Short is one of my favorite movies of last decade. Vice, I will, you know, appreciate on certain levels. I don't think it's anywhere near the success of The Big Short. And of course, McKay is also has this huge comedy background uh, with him and Will Ferrell, you know, just teaming up forever. The other guys, Anchorman, step brothers, you know, he was the head writer on SNL. So it's a very interesting arc to his career. And this is kind of where his career is kind of heading. So what were you what was your relationship to McKay's work before you headed into here? I mean, he's great at what he does
1: like and uh that's both a good thing and a bad thing i mean you know yes of course the step brothers and the uh the anchorman stuff it's like he knows how to make a great comedy and you know he won me over through my high school years um and then all of a sudden the big short shows up we know i, I hear Adam McKay's name directing and I'm wondering what's going on here now the big short is absolutely wonderful it's a spectacular movie and all of a right. sudden the world sort of shifts over with Adam McKay you know he's in the Oscars now he's doing a movie where he's explaining the financial crisis I probably still can't answer the financial crisis to you but like at least I sort of <laughs> right. could explain what was going on I was one of the people at that time when Big Short was big I was just like haven't you seen Margin Call Margin Call is a <laughs> superior film about the financial crisis and then I stopped having friends for a little while but <laughs> I, I look at this one and I say like Big Short was a solid really good movie that had that serious nature that had a message that even though it was difficult to follow was still a clear-cut message I mean that that sounds like two that sounds like two opposing ideas but it was sure I understand yeah it was like something where I was like okay I kind of get what's going on there's a call to action I mean that call to action is difficult for us to do but there's something we can be mad about right vice for me I really had a lot of issues with Um, I just think that you know okay now your focus is not on this gigantic financial system which is really complex your focus is on one guy and for some reason it's you you have a harder time at focusing on this one guy and you know it's because like like they said in the very beginning this guy is extremely elusive and like he's like you know impossible to really pin down and what he was thinking and everything but in the end, I didn't really know the, the point of that. However, this was the big thing. Every single one of my friends that aren't like, you know, movie snobbery type of people love Vice love vice Mm. and it's because the majority of my friends are fairly liberal and it was a movie that you know simultaneously and continuously said fuck dick cheney and everybody loved that oh wait excuse me liberal friends conservative friends even love that crap now like nobody likes dick cheney so they're really like they would all love to go after him for that and um, I think that that's what made it very interesting. It's like Dick Cheney caused forest fires, Dick Cheney. Like, it was all, <laughs> like those were the very, very like, you know, like nutty sort of situations in that movie that just made it seem unfocused. And I kind of like left the theater being like, well, you know, I liked that They all hated Dick Cheney, but uh, I don't really know what <laughs> the deal was. And so right. um, it was a little bit unfocused now, you know, then, so this movie shows up and it's, I can't tell which one I'm having more trouble with but this one is just the same sort of deal where you know okay this is about climate change like you know pretty much and you could argue now right. even though they made it uh like before covid happened you could argue it's about covid as well now it's like about a yeah. denial of something that is like that is greater for a, a certain political game and I um Boy, it just was something where it's like, I love this message. Let's get, let's dig deeper into it. Let's, let's mine this asteroid, if you will. And instead, mm-hmm. what happens is I'm just like, oh, I, I got nothing. I, I, I got nothing out of it, which is just the shame out of it.
0: I'm actually glad that you brought the let's dig deeper thing because I think that's part of the reason why this movie didn't ultimately work. For me, I guess we can start getting into a little bit more of our our opinions on that. We're gonna stay non-spoiler to start. We're gonna save spoilers to the end. We'll do kind of maybe the the Oscar chat in between. But yeah, this is a movie that it it's very surface level for someone who is so detail oriented. Coming off of something like Vice, where he really had to map out his opinion on this character, quote unquote, uh, of. Dick Cheney where you know it's really kind of like playing him as the wizard of Oz the guy behind the scenes this puppet master you know who's kind of very unassuming all this stuff and and really kind of try to sell point to point this one he's creating whole cloth so uh, how I felt as a person who uh, uh, is a stand-up comedian and has been for over a decade it's like this movie felt like open mic comedy in the sense of yeah sometimes it works but a lot of times it's someone just throwing up a bunch of premises with no punchlines. Cause to me, I thought this movie for, for being, I actually, upon watching it, I was reminded of the big Lebowski where, uh, if if you remember the scene, uh, where a a character is described as a nihilist (laughs) and Lebowski, and Lebowski casually responds, Oh, that sounds exhausting. (laughs) And, as this movie is ultimately nihilistic, it is super bleak, and it means it has to be way more entertaining and funnier than most highbrow comedies, and it just isn't. And McKay basically decides to make an obvious, lackluster sea of despair <laughs> that we all have to sit in, uh, but it doesn't really give us many answers or even that much humanity in his characters to kind of really elevate this more than just presenting the information that a lot of the people who are going to watch his style movies, especially coming off vice is his echo chamber. Guess what? They already know all this. So uh, to me, I needed it to be uh, of a higher level to kind of teach me something or, or lead me down a path that I don't already see because you know, when, There's so many people before him who are so good at nihilistic endings. Watch the Coen brothers in any regard. Um, My favorite version of that is uh, the end of Burn After Reading where multiple characters all intertwine in this multifaceted government conspiracy plot. And they end up just going, huh, so we don't have to do anything? All right, cool. Fuck it. And that's the end of the movie. And And I laughed super hard when that happens. This movie ends and you just go... Oh, yeah, so I think it's a very different feeling. And when we're in this moment uh, in the age of, you know, I thought Borat 2 was more poignant while being hilarious oh God, yeah. than this movie ever does. And yet this one somehow is in the Oscar conversation and Borat really wasn't. And we're also in the era of, you know, the Daily Show, John Oliver, Hasan Minaj, who all built off of the backs of Michael Moore, Monty Python, and ironically, SNL, <laughs> you know, Adam McKay came from that tree. And yet, um, I don't, I don't get any kind of like larger comparisons where I saw some critics I actually really admire say it compares to like things like Dr. Strangelove and I, i vehemently disagree uh so sean now that you're holding your head in your hands <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> where, I did. where do you sit with that god i heard that
1: a lot too and it was driving me insane and it's like besides the fact that both of them are the worlds are ending um i mean it, it, there there's moments of this that are obvious but i want to touch upon the humanity here because i'll say dr strangelove has no humanity but intentionally no. has no humanity and that's the great yeah. part of it is it's all silliness and that's like you know and the darkness comes in you know when they're discussing like that darkness like you know when george Correct. c scott says no more than two million dead tops and it was like, <laughs> depending on the breaks and it was just like the <laughs> some of the greatest stuff and i will say there, there's one character very much like um uh, george c scott that i'll, I'll bring in later because it's my f- favorite performance in this movie um yeah but before talking about that one, uh, the humanity here is the, the human story they decided to put behind this is uh, the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, scientist and the problems with uh, melanin- uh, wait, Melanie Linsky, his wife. Correct. And Correct. it's, you know, basically, obviously, no spoilers, but it ends in a very like what could be a touching way. But instead, it's like, well, we just had no story involved with them whatsoever. And you're expecting us to feel something don't absolutely try to grant like you know like, like just like cram humanity down my throat don't do that like yeah. make it fun where everyone's horrible and believe it or not that would be fun to see honestly it's like it doesn't seem like that but don't try to make something like very nice of like just very like you know lovely characters with each other but uh, that's the part that like really grained me but I mean, you know, obviously, you know, calling this like Dr. Strange Love is difficult because if you just have the dark ending with the dark ending, that's not the, the, those are not the same. You have to actually have right. everything that's leading up to it also be either dark or just somewhat sinister or have like this cohesive goal throughout. And this one, like you were saying, throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall without a doubt.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up uh, DiCaprio's character because a lot of people are going to also point to things like having his network moment, you know, the kind of, (laughs) you know, this lash out on TV, you know, kind of, you know, uh, showing, you know, blasting the truth in front of people's faces, having kind of his own aha moment. And the reason why, to me, that doesn't work, A, for how late it is in the movie and kind of his arc for how it kind of leads up to that and you brought it up. It's like without giving too much away, he's a character who he's not like a moral backbone. He's not fully just the science guy. There's multiple characters who kind of fulfill that purpose. So I don't know exactly what they want us to feel about him. Cause like you said, there's a very kind of the way this movie wraps up, they try to now involve more humanity and trying to be like, what matters at the end of the day kind of a feeling and when you're using characters that I feel you know were were morally ambiguous and kind of you know I don't know didn't have a ton to say and like I said didn't offer up a lot of answers was just kind of like trying to be the voice of reason in a room which multiple characters again kind of were those things so DiCaprio I didn't feel like was, as defined as you could have. And the reason why he's elevated above say Jennifer Lawrence's character, you know, is essentially sexism. (laughs) Um, and, and, uh, you know, so that also, unless again, unless it's written in a certain hilarious tone and can kind of like, you know, showing us their ass, you know, the whole time, but that's not how this movie really plays it. So it kind of, didn't work for me and I think the Di- uh, DiCaprio character really does it and it's a weird that uh for myself that this movie I didn't enjoy it uh start to finish considering it starts with Jennifer Lawrence rapping one of my favorite Wu-Tang songs Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with in the first five minutes and yet I still was like "Ah, oh, god that got old fast <laughs>
1: That was just like the trying to be cool.
0: It's like scientists are cool when really they'd be like
1: listening to some sort of NPR podcast. Like, come on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. I, I will say the, uh, the the network speech. Yeah, it didn't really grab me. It, it played upon the frustration that I was feeling. So there was this moment where I was just like, OK, OK, let's go. But then right. the one thing that was great and uh, was the immediate cut uh, right after the speech, which did like make me chuckle quite a bit. Like that sure. the, like that was the moment that got me with it. And I was just like, Oh yeah, no, that's how this really goes. <laughs> like, but
0: yeah. And, and that's sort of a thing that happened throughout where it was like, <laughs> when the movie had too much energy, he was like, Nope. And just <laughs> yanked a chain back. And so, and that's why, uh, what did you feel about the tone of this movie? Because again, because it serves so many masters, do you think that was part of maybe the issue at hand where it would be like, Hey, we can't get too funny here because we got to, Jump right back into something else. It doesn't really have like any momentum in the comedy. It just is like, all right, here's the situation. Let's try to end on a joke. Like, and that would be Jonah Hill's kind of, yeah. you know, juxtaposition. A lot of this stuff.
1: Yeah. The tone was very tricky. Like you're saying, it's like they had the comedy and the drama there, and they would go back and forth. And, you know, in literally the end credits, I'm, I'm like saying, like, are you trying to make us laugh right now? Cause, Based right. on what you just did to us. You stop it, sir. Like, that, was, <laughs> that was not okay. But then it, it, that was how it was the whole time. It was like, there was these moments where it's like, you know, we have this issue of a meteor heading towards it. Then we're also going to be laughing. Then, Adam McKay, who is who has been doing this thing like in his other movies as well, these erratic cuts to random footage. And he was the champion yeah, of it oh, this I, time. I hated that. It was yeah. bad, man. And I understood towards the end why he was doing it, especially towards the last few moments. But it was still this moment where it's like you're just like kind of like kicking up this anxiety, which, you know, work, work on a different way to do that. Because that would like that. That felt like you were doing some artsy student film. And it just really was upsetting. Oof. And that that messed with the that messed with the uh, like the mood for me as well. That messed with the tone for me as well, really.
0: Yeah, and I understand completely that satire, like you mentioned, is really hard because it's you know it's a, you got to have such a voice and such a tone that you got to strike and be consistent and really try to you know kind of sell something to us. And if to me you're ultimately selling uh, apathy in (laughs) cradling into your own demise like that to me as the the basis for a comedy that I've seen people online go this movie is the funniest movie I've seen in a long time and I go really have you not seen anything funny and again like I said we just went through Borat 2 last year where you know now in retrospect I think it's underappreciated even though it went through the cycle now granted in a down year. It went through the whole kind of word cycle for that and it didn't, you know, maybe get the love that if I knew this was on the table, like, why didn't it make the the, the run completely last year? I don't get, um, but, you know. Uh, comedies in general, I don't really see in the Oscar conversation, but this one seems to have landed on it. And I think it's just completely based on Adam McKay's background.
1: It's Adam McKay's background. And it is um, I don't want to, like, you know, like insult anyone that really does like this movie, but it is like it's sort of accessible and will make you feel smart to like it um and that feels yeah. very cruel to say like and i did some people might genuinely just like it i don't know but like it, yeah. it you will feel a little bit smarter you will look at parts of it and we're like you know like oh everyone is obsessed with social media that is true everyone is obsessed with media. <laughs> by the way yeah. at math teacher movies on instagram give me a like but um i <laughs> <laughs> that was the stuff I had troubled when they kept on going back to that and just posting the tweets. And I'm just like, I know we're all obsessed with social media. I promise you, yeah. if a meteor comes, I'll be sad. I don't know what you want me to say here.
0: <laughs> right. It's kind of. Yeah. Ugh, nice. And that's what I was saying. Like, I wish it went past the surface. Yeah. Like I, I wanted him to kind of be like, all right, this was my first draft. And now how can I make this, you know, either a little more poignant maybe have a, a stricter message that isn't with without answer, without, you know, kind of just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like McKay's inner dialogue is DiCaprio um, and Kate kind of both being on that morning show where it's like, well, maybe certain topics shouldn't be given you with the medicine to help it go down. And I think that's kind of what he wanted to do with this movie. So I think what he did was... Purposeful. I don't think it got lost in the way because of shooting during COVID or yeah. or having any other excuse you could say that maybe where uh, missteps were were happening. But yeah, and again, you and I are talking. Uh, you know where we. <laughs> it. I don't think what uh, ultimately what we say in this episode today is going to matter much. Obviously, but like, you know, it's weird that this movie is being like ripped apart by certain people, and yet it hasn't escaped. The Oscar lens, like for for ever since it premiered. And I find it weird. Um, let's if you don't mind, like I figure let's uh let's just throw a grade on it just to kind of give the people where we're kind of sitting with this. And then I kind of want to maybe dovetail into some awards talk. So you are known for giving your reviews online on your math teachers movies uh Instagram and doing your reviews laying out grades. Where would you sit for a grade for Don't Look Up? So I I should mention I don't do pluses or minuses,
1: and usually Fs are almost, like, impossible to get. As are a lot more possible because I like a lot more stuff. Uh, Bs, a couple of things that I don't really like. Uh, Ds are, like, you know, I almost give this an F, but there's a couple of things I like. And I said all that right now Do you say I'll give this a C, where it's kind of just smack dab in the middle for me. It's like this uh, has a lot of faults to it, but there's a lot of great stuff there that, you know, could be interesting to follow. We've been speaking overwhelmingly negative, but – For me, I just really, you know, there's still like a lot there that has potential. And I want to see, I mean, we've seen McKay nail the satire, if we can call the big short a satire, but um, we've seen McKay nail something. (laughs) We'll call the the important comedy, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. We've seen that Uh, category. (laughs) I don't want that now, like the important comedy (laughs) um, where I think uh, like he can do it. Um, I think he's got to, uh, you know, maybe relax a little bit. Um, He just recently, this is going to (laughs) be me deviating quite a bit, but he recently uh, did a podcast uh, called uh, death at the wing about the uh, death of many different uh, NBA players from the eighties. And it was just like, like you already, you already said about him extremely well-researched. The guy is like, yeah, like he just really, he just is very intelligent. He knows his stuff. I think he's got to relax. Like he's doing too much with some of his editing, like some of his stuff. So Um, Yeah. All in all, though, I really did uh, love this one. Um, Pretty solid performances. We may talk about that later, but in general, C.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with a lot of what you said. He he has such a dog with a bone style that like he does kind of need (laughs) uh, a solid editor and a producer maybe to kind of really shape maybe some of his ideas because he's got great instincts. But I think sometimes they, you know, are too much or maybe lands in the weeds because he's so intensely into something that maybe a message gets lost in, into things at times. Um, but yeah, I, I I watched this movie twice because I couldn't believe that I wasn't super bought in the first time. And I will say I did like it better the second time. I do give pluses, Sean. I apologize <laughs> if that offends you. It doesn't. Uh, I promise it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I did. I was kind of in that C, plus area the first time I watched it. It got a little bit better the second time. Weirdly enough, I would have thought the jokes, because like any old joke, if you hear it the first time, it should be better the first time, which is why I was like, I don't know how this is going to get better, but I really hope it does. And the jokes, I think, were the things that actually worked better to me the second time. I think uh, Jonah Hill was... Just a little bit better of a standout, even on second watch. Uh, some of the jokes that he does that maybe I saw them in the trailer and then I saw them in the movie. So maybe I didn't give them enough credit and then I had enough distance to rewatch and then it improved. Um, so some of those, especially him, you know, doing Molly when the when the first uh, shuttle yes. takes off, like things like that you is like hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those things are pretty <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah. Everyone was strong. I can't complain about the performances is not the issue. And the fact that this movie has every star ever created, especially if you've even smelled an Adam McKay movie, you've been, you're you in this movie. Um, so definitely that is not the issue. Um, but I will say um, Ron Perlman, things like that, that stand out uh, on the second time. His character is kind of the character that I hoped there'd be more of that type of humor, maybe to be less Dramatic uh, overall and less bleak to have things like that where you can at least you know poke fun at the system and really kind of have it. I know a lot of people say Mark Rylance does that for them too. That was mine. Th- yeah, Rylance is kind of almost too perfect that it's frightening <laughs> at times to where like sometimes it works really well and then sometimes I go, oh god, this hurts. <laughs> like it, it's painful to watch because again, like you said, it's so on the nose it's to what's going on right now and it, it keeps going even further some people uh make the 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 pitch that you know post trump like satire and sarca- like it's mm-hmm. dead yeah. like you just can't anymore <laughs> yeah. because everything's been laid out in front of us so much that we're just like Yeah, anything's possible. So nothing is funny because it doesn't seem like a farce anymore because it's like, yeah, yeah, no, that kind of (laughs) happened, you know, and and keeps going from there. So if you're not talking about real events and you're making stuff up, it has to really be either full out out, outlandish, like an idiocracy, or it has to come back to earth and be more self-serious and kind of be more subtle in its humor. Um, this was kind of in between, and that's why I don't think it works
1: well. So, that's actually like interesting because you're, you're
0: right, like, it's the the same thing where it's like after Trump, we can't do satire anymore because it's
1: just everything was just so insane. Um, right, and, uh, we're all dead inside now, <laughs> but that's why I think uh Streep really does work well. And you know, I, I feel bad for Meryl Streep because uh, not that's a dumb statement, but uh, I do feel bad for Meryl <laughs> Streep in the way that uh, you know, she'll turn in like a 10 performance, but everyone will be like, Well, yeah, but it's Streep, who cares? Like, <laughs> right. just be like, yeah. okay, yeah, fine. And I think this is something where she is just low key sort of great because you don't I mean, you know, you could argue what party she is if they're doing parties, which they don't do parties, which props to them. But, um, right. you know, you could argue it. But also you could kind of argue either way. She stored sort of establishment like a little bit on the outside. I mean, it's obvious. Uh, Jonah Hill is one of the Trump sons, like just. Kind of, yeah. I mean, like because he's literally a son of the president, but also just the shadow and the swarminess. And it's yeah, pretty yeah. perfect. Um, yeah, the Rylance was my favorite performance. It was the one I was alluding to before, but you're right. It was straight up terrifying. Um, yeah, it
0: is. um, He was a very Steve Jobs esque character that is very plausible and it's terrifying but it
1: was great because there is this moment where he just goes in there and he starts talking and people are like talking over and he just he and he just keeps on doing his presentation but then the only time he snaps out and when he's just like you know you're a businessman he's like what what i'm a businessman and (laughs) he has these like dead eyes which i don't contacts maybe but like he is just staring right through him but still explaining how he's a creator and not a businessman i was like this is So on board, but just like, really, like I was trembling during that. It was a truly great performance, but you're right. It does sort of throw you. And yeah, it's like tough to imagine all of it.
0: Yeah. He was basically like a shark the whole time. Just this methodical unblinking, (laughs) you know, robot of a man, which was terrifying when he kind of escaped out of that, even just a little, um, it was nuts. Um, but yeah, I think second watch, like I said, I think it was a little funnier. I think I, I especially like the the Jennifer Lawrence memes that they had throughout. Um, th- there's one callback joke that I really appreciate in here about snacks that well, we can probably go through in spoilers. And then, uh, you know, so again, a little bit better on the second one. I'm probably landing right on that line of like C plus B minus, mm-hmm. you know, but what I will say now that the the grades in here, let's take a quick break because I want to come back and, and do award stuff. Um, Because a lot of things we're we're saying right now, I don't see outside of like something like, you know, Golden Globes ish, where you get a comedy musical category that I think I don't know where this is going to land when it comes Oscar time. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Do you
1: like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Crackin' One Open, a podcast about bruise news and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it,
0: the history of the brew, and the brewery.
1: Then we'll give our tasting notes. And while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings on in the world of pop culture.
0: So check out Crackin' When Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.
1: Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O' Comics Podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or
0: just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment, for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino.
1: Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment
0: family. Ooh, that's a bingo. All right, let's dive right into the awards conversation because some of this stuff... Now seeing the movie, especially seeing it twice, I don't fully see why this is in the top tens of a lot of places. Like, um, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, Like, comedies are so hard and and why they picked this one. uh, We kind of touched on that with the Adam McKay of it all. And you can kind of see in the nominations that it did get Critics' Choice gave it best original screenplay so did golden globes uh you know so you're seeing Adam McKay being like really loved in those in those particular categories i don't remember if he got wga nominations in the past i didn't look that up and we're we're a little early on the guilds but i wouldn't be shocked if the writers guild did kind of you know give him You know, some of that. I don't know if he's in Sorkin territory is what I'm saying. Where like kind of uh, multiple bodies just fawn over him because they kind of speak to that base of what this is. But I think the biggest thing going for Don't Look Up is that it has 400 stars in it. And if it doesn't get best ensemble stuff like it did with Critics' Choice or if it, you know, if it's going to get that at the SAGs because it's got every lovable, you know, big time star in it. Um, then I don't know what works. Um, and, and some people have told me its strongest category might be best score mm-hmm. um, and best song. So it's one of those that I think it'll hang around, but I'm really kind of shocked to seeing it in the best picture category, even with a 10, uh, 10 picture year. So uh, you uh, were talking about earlier how you were
1: perplexed um, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that like this right now. And there's a lot of people that are (laughs) waiting until this uh, puppy gets on Netflix just over the holiday break. The amount of people that are going to see this movie, and that's the general public. Now, the general public don't vote for the Oscars, but the general public do contribute to the ether out there. And I still think the general public is going to adore this movie quite a bit and so i think that therefore that's going to be and a lot of the general public could also be academy voters like there are academy voters right. that aren't really the re, that's the reason the critics go a little bit different actually the critics loved uh, don't look up as well but
0: um well not exactly oh, not a, i mean if you're if you're contrasting meta scores with how this is that's why i'm confused quite frankly uh because like the the critics like the critical bodies that have nominated them thus far i mean critics choice is a very big that's movie, what so i like, mean yeah that's down. what i'm talking about but yeah but when you're talking about national border review they're a very odd collection of, of <laughs> oh, critics that know. that kind of go with that uh and and golden globes i don't even have to yeah, start we... with them i mean they're already in the penalty box uh for you know in the hollywood foreign press so I don't – and, again, this is a movie that's going to succeed out of Golden Globes because of the comedy musical category where it got, you know, best actor, best actress. You know, I don't think it's getting that if it's in a drama category. Oh, God, no. Um, And, and you know, definitely I don't – is it in the five if, of, of the drama category with, with how stacked a year it's kind of shaping out to be? I don't think so. Yeah. So, you know – but it's interesting. Uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, no, I, I would say that uh, this I have this right now as uh, one of my uh, possible Best Picture nominees. Um, and uh, right. really, it's just because it is the Adam McKay. It is the... Um, People love to give the Adam McKay movie um, like it's due. And uh, you mentioned Sorkin. It's not. You're right. It's not at the level of Sorkin. And uh, who knows? I don't know where Sorkin's movie this year is going to go. I I think I know it's interesting. (laughs) I
0: think this actually gets in and Ricardo's is on the bubble. That would be
1: fascinating. It's it's unbelievable that this gets in with absolutely with a huge cast and none of that cast being considered for awards. Now, granted, like 10 million movies are being considered this year. This is like such a saturated year. But um, you know, we look at, uh, like, you know, DiCaprio is someone that is going to be giving like a usual, like really, really like over the top performance and is not going to scratch a nomination this year. Um, I mean, unless something happens. So then I wonder what, like, so I, th- this is where I wonder, I say to myself that don't look up is going to be uh, nominated for best picture, but what are the other like awards you mentioned score? And y- then you mentioned also song. Those two, I think are pr- pretty like solid, uh, you know, pretty solid prospects then we have uh the uh, best screenplay god that sounds tough but probably oh man and then so then that's four mm. which is respectable for a best picture nominee so we could stop yeah. there um i mean if it has best editing i'll start crying now and never stop crying for the rest <laughs> of my life could, but that could yeah. be a possibility <laughs> like-
0: yeah especially because that's one thing that we didn't i don't think we brought up like this movie should not be 2 hours and 18 minutes long. No. And if you if you're telling me this is a comedy and it's 2 hours and 18 minutes, it's like uh-uh, this isn't a Apatow thing. Where even though I complained about Apatows, at least we're following like a series of very funny, intentionally funny improv, like it's, at least it's going for more and kind of maybe layering some dramedy. This one is very heavy. so and and, and like i keep using the word bleak because it's kind of a bleak outlook on life and how things are going right now so like i said it's a very hard line to go through one thing i'll say um is that uh looking through all of these and looking through the uh
1: don't look up situation and the national board of review situation is that uh this movie just got like released now granted there have been screeners going for a while before this they obviously i'd assume that uh the bodies. um have seen the movie, but there's probably not a lot that have seen the movie. Perhaps they have just seen the movie once, perhaps like it is the most fresh in their heads. And so that's going to be something that's going to be on there. I think every year that scene where all of a sudden there's like a couple of movies that were like, you know, released like in the middle of December that have been on these lists, all of these top right. 10 lists. And we're like, okay, these snuck on and like, you know, like the Green Knight gets kicked off or something like that.
0: Sure. But, I mean, that could be. Yeah, Licorice Pizza is kind of that right now. Exactly. PTA's film, they held it and and did a very slow rollout where, like, a lot of people have not seen that movie. It'll go wide, I think, this week. But, yeah, it's definitely a late breaker. Um, And, you know, you're going to see even later and later stuff. Tragedy Macbeth really hasn't been <laughs> officially released, although it went through the film festival circuit, so we kind of know where that lands. But there's not a whole lot where it's like, oh, nobody's seen it. I think Nightmare Alley, um, Don't Look Up, Uh, You know, there was a few that, like, didn't do the festival circuit, but also might land in the Best Picture conversation. So there's a few that, like, got kicked around really late where, and you saw it, as soon as they had their screening, it was like, every critic was like, this is amazing, and it's going to get up for Best Picture, and then just wait a few weeks when a few more absolutely amazing things kicked it right out. So, yeah, Uh, West Side Story was also a late breaker with that kind of of stuff, too. But as far as these goes, yeah, I I, I don't see it winning best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. I could see the nomination. I can see uh best song and best score. Although I really tried to concentrate on the score the second time. I like it in spots, but it's not this consistent presence to where I felt like, you know, a good a good uh a good score kind of feels like an extra character in the film. Like it really drives something. It really stands out at points. I don't know if I felt that a lot. Did you, How did you feel about the score on this one?
1: Um, I am the absolute worst with scores. Like, I mean, I'm <laughs> terrible. I never know. Like, I remember I saw like, you know, the first time I saw Parasite, I was like, absolutely awesome. 10 out of 10 spectacular movie. And everybody's like, and the score. And I was like, Yeah. And then I like (laughs) YouTube Parasite Score immediately because I was like, I don't know what this is. So, and, you know, so I could be – I'm going to do a pretentious answer now and just say, well, I shouldn't actually be able to hear the score or understand the score at all. It should just be, like, <laughs> enveloped in the uh, atmosphere. Now, of course, that's not true. The score should stand out. I mean, you know – Yeah, watch time. Dune.
0: <laughs> oh, buddy.
1: <laughs> like, uh, right now, the scores right now, we got Dune, uh, amazing. And then uh, the two Johnny Greenwood scores are absolutely amazing yeah. As well. And so I'm hoping that's the case. Do you remember who wrote the Don't Look Up score off the top of your head? Nicholas Bertel. Well, that's why, because it's the greatest guy in the entire world. Um, (laughs) He does the uh, Succession score and anything from uh, and the one from If Beale Street Could Talk. So already, like the Succession theme in that, I'm in.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and he's hot right now because Succession is one of the biggest shows out there. (laughs) So, you know, it's going to it's going to get him all kinds of nominations. I believe he also did Moonlight, too. So, you know, he's definitely been in that conversation or these circles before. So, you know, if people want to. Go that way with that one, sure. Um, that would make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, it, I find it fascinating. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. The fact that this is so loaded with some of the biggest stars ever, and we're not talking about any of them to be like this major standout that is gonna is gonna be talked up all through award season. And it's weird that I've more heard people to kind of be like, "Oh well, Joni Hill's a standout," but. It's comedy, so he won't be recognized. So they knock that down. Then they go Rylance, you know, is eerie and perfect, but I don't know. You know, and of course, it hasn't come through with any kind of acknowledgement in terms of uh, critical awards that have come out this far. you know, Chalamet. Some people like how you know oddball uh choices. I don't know if his character adds anything to the movie. That's one of the things if you're taking something out to, to trim this movie. I could see him being taken out and doesn't change a damn thing. Um but you know, that that's I have no idea choice. why
1: he's in that movie.
0: Like it's it's first of all, the
1: why they're casting him is just very strange already. I guess he just wanted to be in a McKay movie, so good on him. But yeah just like the, the like the the um the religious skateboarder that like helps like jennifer lawrence come to jesus but also doesn't and then that he's the one that helps him pray, <laughs> at, uh, pray at the end i i yeah he's in the smallest bit i mean he helps come to the realization about the snacks right uh i think i thought it was him um
0: i don't know about that
1: regardless of, i know <laughs> the snacks yeah. is the greatest
0: bit of all time that that truly you said it you want to use go it like the three day. times it's so yeah. funny <laughs> Yeah. And then that little, well, you get it this way, but like Rob Morgan's response to that, like where he talks oh. about sting, that even goes further. it further. There's a lot of good stuff in terms of that. There's very funny stuff uh, that we can get into in sports right after. But, you know, gun to my head, you know, the I really, I really don't understand the awards talk in this movie, no. especially the best picture of it all. You did kind of say like certain things that maybe added up if you got enough guilds that care you know that can move it up if it gets four nominations but man is it some low watt uh nominations that like it doesn't add up where it's not looking at best picture it's not or uh it's not looking at best director it's not looking at you know any kind of acting performance that stands out it's a very odd duck when it comes to like a best picture nominee and i don't know where that's The 10 movies of it all but I can tell you there's some stuff that I currently think is on the bubble or out that I would easily put over this movie
1: yeah yeah I mean yeah I'm trying to think of I mean trying to think there's plenty I could think of but I'm trying to think of like the other reasoning behind it Adam McKay is not really that much of a stranger to the best uh, directing nomination and I, I cannot see that happening this year, but like, no, it wouldn't like if like, you know, I'd be stunned on Oscar nomination morning, but I would not be like, you know, like jaw completely on the floor. I, I, I think this is something that, you know, is just barely going to limp into the 10 and it's going to limp yeah. into the 10 just because of the
0: Adam McKay of it all. Like,
1: yeah, it won't be for any like decent reason, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and I will say, and any person who listens to this podcast will will know, but like, I'm just putting it right out there. I have no clue why this one, well, I shouldn't say no clue. We've kind of gone over it with the Adam McKay of it all. But seeing the movie side by side, I have no idea why Tick Tick Boom is not a slam dunk Mm -hmm. in and Don't Look Up is like, Mm -hmm. you know on the outside looking in I think the fact that there are two different conversations I don't get it you know I don't know how you feel about tick tick boom but everybody should know based on what I've been saying for weeks um is just yeah this tick tick boom should be the number two and don't look up should be yep. the one that's like oh it'll get a few nominations but it's not best picture
1: I actually have tick tick boom in my uh in my uh, top 10 or like uh basically it we're in the top 10 to be uh, nominated for a best picture Um,
0: I think it's there, too. But if you tell me that means Netflix gets three out of 10, that's really shocking. (laughs) So, like, that's weird.
1: Even worse, two musicals as uh, Best Picture nominees where it's just like, really, we could have that, too? I mean, because, like, at this point, based on how people receive musicals, apparently the world hates them because the box office. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And then we got another one with Cyrano coming up right around the corner. So let's keep adding more and more onto the fire. Forgot oh about so, damn
1: Cyrano, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, and of course it's all retread musicals outside of like, yeah, Tick Tick Boom hasn't gotten the movie treatment yet, and In the Heights either, and that that got kicked to the side real quick mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, but yeah, it's such a weird year where I don't understand the flip here where I think Tick Tick Boom should be an absolute yeah. and Don't Look Up should be grateful if it gets in um, but man uh, and again everybody you know, come to our socials <laughs> Nomcast Pod and just fucking rip me to shreds and be like you don't know what you're talking about um, the interesting thing I think if this movie was funnier I don't know if it would actually be in the Oscar conversation. God, no! Isn't
1: that a weird thought? Oh God, no, no. Um, it's because of like the dramatic purposes of it, and it really just. Do- and also, when it comes down to it, is it really is just like the the mention of the politics. Um, I really yeah. do think about like let's look at Vice. Vice literally has an end credit scene halfway through that mentions Dick Cheney becoming a triathlon champion. It's like <laughs> it's a goofy movie. It is a Zucker yeah. Brothers type of movie that is zucker brothers humor and right so like i just see that like coming in for the rest of it
0: Oh man. Yeah, it's such a weird year. Uh well obviously stay stay to this podcast because I'll I don't shut up about a words uh <laughs> season, whether you like it or not. Uh, you know, tell me if you don't because I mean uh I'll take it in. But um uh, at least I'm speaking glowingly about Netflix movies, um, you know, all throughout and keep going in. The early January season of Netflix <laughs> movies is not a lot, so you might get you know, a little bit more of me just, you know, keeping an eye on award season as everything progresses. Um, We're going to get into spoilers now. So if you haven't seen the movie and you have just kind of been riding with us the whole time, you know, we'll see you next week. Have a good holiday, all that. But if you have seen it and you want to get into it with us, stay tuned right now. All right, so I think a good way to start the spoiler section of this is kind of digging deeper into the Dr. Mindy, Leonardo DiCaprio character of it all. Because I think, like I mentioned multiple times, I think he's part of the reason why this movie doesn't work. And, you know, between you have three kind of central scientist characters that are riding hard that land all the way at the end of this movie and kind of like we mentioned trying to be the humanity at the end uh what basically this movie ends is that the world is watching you know kind of whether the mark rylance character (laughs) is going to pull off this drone um you know strike you know strike on the on the on the asteroid comet however you want to characterize it and then try to blow it to pieces and you know it hasn't been peer-reviewed so it You kind of see where this is going, where it's, like, the last-ditch effort that doesn't come, and everybody's kind of like, well, nothing we could do about it. Might as well just get all together with your families. And it doesn't quite work for me because the people who are around that table, they just don't... It just rings false because we don't really know this family. The the person who we're supposed to feel for that he's amongst his family, you know, just got off of, like, fucking... Uh, around with another woman, you know, and kind of getting into it with his wife and not being that remorseful about it, uh while he's just ascending to be a more popular character. Not to mention the inconsistency with the the science and and what he backed, you know, at times because he was just I guess drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, a little bit too much or at least trying to justify his existence in that power dynamic that he got, but yeah, it just doesn't sit right that he's kind of like giving us the well didn't we have it all really kind of a moment it it just doesn't work and then with Rob Morgan being there and it's like he doesn't have a family and it's like (laughs) we don't know enough about him to see why he's at this last supper type thing Kate and Timothy Chalamet who just met each other you know they're already talking you know you know marriage or like or getting engaged or whatever If like they survive and all this stuff, it's like I know a lot of these feelings might come up when you think you're going to die, but it, it's a very odd scene to end with. What did you think about that?
1: Yeah, it just felt like you were saying sort of unearned. Um, you know, I, I like was wondering that myself when it's like, oh, yeah, Leo was fucking around and then like just comes back to Melanie Linsky, who's a great actress and deserves a better written character and is in like, I you love know, her oh, so much. she's so amazing. Yellow Jackets to, for a quite deviation. It's an absolutely amazing show. But, um, like, it's. Nobody has showtime, Sean. <laughs>
0: Stop trying to force I have Yellow too many Jackets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That is true. No one does. Uh, <laughs> I'll start my uh, show cast or whatever it's called. Um, now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, she's like just such a great actress, deserved such a much better role. And I mean,. Yeah, like, oh, they're together and they're holding hands. I'm like, yeah, two seconds ago, this thing didn't work. And I guess, you know, you take them back right away because of the the end occurring. Um, Rob Morgan, like you said, um, who, you know, oh, yeah, there's a third scientist that was involved in this. Do we involve him that <laughs> much? No. Could it be a lack of celebrity? Yeah. Um, but like, I, or could it be other much larger problems i don't want to be that guy but <laughs> like it's, sure like, yeah yeah it, it's something where like you know this guy could have been you know like they could have been the big three instead it like worked a lot worse um i um enjoy the fact that it's very subtle but you know they are protesting a lot but there's not much that they do to uh stop right. the drone situation and that was like this very subtle dig it like other sides i mean there is this moment where the uh, the media, not the Michael Chiklis Patriot News media, but um, the uh, like the regular media that claims to be like you know down the middle and everything, and they just sort of like sat there and like oh we we could have done more and like there's a moment where he is right. breaking down, which does feel like the most solid thing right there. That like I'll give them that. There's these moments towards the end where I'm like I'll give it to him, and then all of a sudden Adam McKay does it again, where it's like it's a, all of a sudden a shot of a baby being born and a grasshopper like hopping yeah. through a leaf, and I'm like. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there's moments where like the meteor's going down, and I'm I, I'm just I it just started to like enrage me with the sporadic moments. And the line you said, I guess we really did have it all, is 100% DiCaprio, like you know looking to the camera and being like, "I've been talking about climate change for 20 years, you dicks." Yeah, he's like, I've been telling you to
0: save the dolphins, you pricks.
1: <laughs> it's, it's one of those. Um, there was oh, I forget who said this, but it's like you know, congrats to Leo DiCaprio who finally figured out a way to be able to promote a movie and talk about climate change in the same breath. And I was like, that's yeah. actually, you know what? That's a pretty solid quote. <laughs> like, yeah, he, and
0: like, I, and I don't know if we mentioned it yet on the podcast, but he's definitely one of those guys who came to McKay with notes. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, I want to come off. As this type of person, which he's done a lot on his past work, too. He comes off where he's like, I want to portray this type of character the way you have it is not exactly a Leonardo DiCaprio character yet. Let's work within this. Tom Hanks kind of does some of things like that, too, and people before him. And he's got that stature where he could do that now. And I wonder if the Leonardo DiCaprio of it all made this, like, kind of a softer movie that, like, because he kind of had to be an a-list superstar you know in this role in, in uh, some way that I think that they didn't make him maybe even more dark than maybe the the role would have laid out that's a
1: very tricky game to play because I think when it comes down to it, DiCaprio has that sort of quality if he's one of the Sort of last movie stars that are, or maybe say it better like this, he's one of the last non Marvel movie stars around. Because you know, <laughs> yeah. no disrespect on Marvel, I love their movies, but they're snatching up everybody. And so, you know, he has this way of like boisterously making himself known and making himself available. Yeah. Now, you know, if he played that uh, character like a different type of Rylance what would this movie be like? It wouldn't yeah. even come close to a comedy because let's see, we all laugh at Leonardo DiCaprio in the bathroom, freaking out. Now also, is that an accurate way to portray anxiety? It's like, as someone who suffers with it, yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. It is damn yeah. good. <laughs> so yeah. It's like it, uh, both sides of it are sort of explored very well. Um, but you're right. Like what, like, I think you sort of need that very like um, like, just like twitchy almost like very uncomfortable sort of character there that offsets um Jennifer Lawrence is very like cool as a cucumber but then eventually she's the one that sort of
0: explodes uh, interestingly yeah. enough and they really sideline her hard oh bad yeah like and and this movie like you know what didn't make sense and I swear I'll get back to, on track but like one of the things I wrote down was we got to get this person off the grid off the grid is putting them just back to their homes <laughs> like couldn't you have just given them a bus ticket or like whatever? Like, what are we doing here? Like, you're not you're not putting them in the middle of nowhere. You just sent them back to where they were. I I I didn't fully really get that. They played it for a laugh yeah. to be like, oh, we got you're off the grid now. You're you know you're dead to us. Whatever. Let's put a a mask over your head and just get you the hell out of here. Okay, but you literally just sent them home like well that it doesn't yeah, that, work there yeah.
1: either we could we could argue that the joke was one of two things it was the fbi agents are idiots which you know solid like where they're just sure. like this miss- one, well, yeah or it's just like that's so far away um that's kind of thing i also saw right. off the grid as like you know at one point it just seemed like they only took them like a few yards away <laughs> like and they're just like, <laughs> yeah <"Off> the grid <laughs> and they're just like they're yeah. good and so but that was yeah good. Um, either way it was, yeah, it was definitely meant to be played for a laugh, but you're right. They didn't really
0: accentuate the joke. It was just kind of like, Oh yeah. Go yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. Why is Jennifer Lawrence working at a, you know, grocery <laughs> store when she knows like the world's going to end yeah. like that doesn't seem to lie. and especially for how much she's so apathetic about it in the character. And that's how they bring in the shallow, of it all and everything else. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you knocked out a lot of those scenes, this movie is a little more trim and yeah. makes just a little bit more sense but i don't know if i did feel bad for her character kind of being like you know even the stuff played for laughs early i thought worked very well like i said like the memes of it all and whatever i thought those were good and you know even some of the the stuff i will admit to like in the in the chalamet of those dudes in the grocery store where they're like i have you on my board (laughs) yo he has you on her board like those type of things were funny but like ultimately that i i could have it didn't add anything. It's just like, oh, this is also funny. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I, I want to sort of talk about like there was a uh, one shot that um like like scared the absolute crap out of me. Um, sure, and uh, it was uh the the moment that we find out that the uh that like everybody finds out that the you know asteroid's coming, nothing they could do about it, and it's a shot that occurs. And this was we were talking about this in the beginning, because you were talking about a lot of the uh, computerized people. Um, yeah. And it's uh, there is a rooftop bar where uh, you don't see it at first, but there's a lot of people out there. And I was like, oh, they're all getting drunk and stuff like that makes sense. And then there's like people- that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah they, like it's just like they're having a party. And then there's like down there, there's a riot on the streets and stuff. And it just sort of seems like, oh, it's a party in that. Then I look a little bit closer because they really hold on it. And it's an orgy. Now the, yeah. the only way I can know this for sure is there it seems like there's a lot of naked people. Now it's very dark in the the shot, so obviously because they can't show like a jacket. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, I didn't notice at all. So I, when you mentioned it, I was like blown away.
1: So I, I really do have to see this again to absolutely confirm this, but it does seem like an orgy is happening. But even worse, it seems like the most disturbing orgy in the world where it's just like not that like it's just like it, it does like Caligula like where it's just like no nobody seems to be. <laughs> having a good time there <laughs> and so i'm like right. oh so nobody's happy these people are fighting in the streets they're not happy the people up here are not happy and it was just the most like that th- that shot is the one that like you know throughout like work today i'm still i'm still having trouble thinking about it <laughs> like
0: yeah uh, just for our audience at home just you know Keep taking that image of Sean kind of being at home when this is on Netflix doing the the <laughs> who's fucking Waldo, like, you know, r- bringing it back and forth. It's like this is a pruder <laughs> film, you know, just kind of going over the details of like, is that real people fucking computer fucking? Does it matter? Why are my pants off? It's I'll just going to get real weird. I'll be you know. showing my wife. And I'm like, honey, right there. See, that's a butt. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's gonna get wild because I'm, I'm probably gonna do the same thing now now that you pointed it out i'm gonna do the same damn thing and just look like, like an absolute fool <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be like the guy in top secret with the giant magnifying glass just like right up next to my television you know because that's what makes separates this movie from being good or bad is just whether cgi people are fucking on the roof <laughs> exactly um i before we get going you know because i don't think i have too much more but like I wanted to talk about the Ron Perlman of it (laughs) all.
1: It was a different time.
0: It was a different time. Uh, Those callbacks, I think, were very funny. And every time, like, I love, you know, you were talking about how they cut off certain scenes or whatever. I love how they cut him off when he's in the space show, when he's just like, I want to give a shout out to the gays, and they're like, "Oh, hey, do you wanna do you wanna like check the <laughs> check the different systems here? We got launched to go, you know, like so because he's going on these big patriotic speeches, and I like how it's kind of the the way that I I, I liked how McKay kind of like winked and nod to kind of like the Armageddon ish yep. nature of like kind of the disaster movie where you get to like kind of mock. The existence of Ron Perlman's rescue mission and making it this, you know, like kind of anti-heroic, anti-patriotic thing or whatever. But like, man, yeah, just him yelling at those little kids like it was literally just one of the only characters in here that's actually just all funny, like without any pretense, without any kind of like major role, just a guy who's there to just make you laugh. And I appreciated that even for how purposefully cringy some of the things he could say uh are in this film
1: how certain were you that he was gonna just be like drunk and
0: like absolutely fuck the mission up
1: like that's what i was like counting on is like yeah. as he's heading up the rocket i'm like he's like already gonna be like kind of drunk and he's just gonna like fuck up like three different rockets and like explode it somewhere like it's i it had to I, be different but
0: well, especially because like he's in the shower, he's like, "Hey, I don't need any gratitude. I just need a few DUIs to go away." <laughs> like, like, everything that came out of his mouth was like, "Oh my god, that's so perfect." <laughs> they had that's the so uh, what was it
1: when he said like uh, like, "You need anything else?" He's like, "I could use a shot of Jack Daniels." And what's great <laughs> is the, the entire Mission Control is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: what a charming gent." <laughs> like, yeah. Oh <laughs> Yeah, but the different time. oh, my God. <laughs> it was a different time. It, th- that callback was so good because everything was so spot on. And, you know, again, like he's kind of this caricature of what's going on in a way or whatever some of these people have gone through. But it was weird that he was kind of uh, a double. like Like between what they were trying to do with the Supreme Court nominee and him, I felt like they didn't need that whole thing. But I think that's just something, you know – mckay was like wouldn't it be funny like shouldn't? wouldn't this absolutely happen it was one of those things but you know man kavanaugh you know. all
1: right guys like, he's just like okay yeah i guess <laughs> like like, well, like
0: kavanaugh at least went to harvard or something well, that, or that was the one thing where it's
1: just like you don't need this but like yeah we're all pissed about that but stop it <laughs> like, With like, yeah <laughs> like, yeah he made it yeah. more he made it like a more obvious thing where it was like more like intense and i'm like okay okay dude we get it <laughs>
0: Yeah, like the whole midterms thing. I think a lot of that just kind of fell flat. Even though I get it, yeah, that that's kind of actually a little bit how I feel about this movie. I was like, message received, I got it. <laughs> but but did I enjoy myself? Not all the time. So that that's I think kind of like the the end uh, of this type of, of movie or my thoughts on that. Did you have anything else before we uh, get on out of here?
1: Um, anything off the top of my head, I will say that you know I. I would like if a movie were to uh, be more serious, I would like it to uh, also be funnier. So I kind of want it to be stretched in both directions a little bit more instead of a little bit too middling like this was.
0: Yeah, it's a massive swing. And and not that I want to tell people like, <laughs> you know, what to do with their career or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam McKay is definitely, you know, a person who's been on both sides of the fence and and as it's been noted in the press kind of, you know, <laughs> Lost the Will Ferrell relationship yeah. along the way too, which is really sad. Uh, to to hear him talk about that in really deflated tones while he's doing press for his movie. Um, but you know, I, I wonder if he goes back to that at any point. You know, he was you know co creator of Funny or Die and had this huge ride, and it's something that he's very good at, or at least knows how to get those type of performances to really work. Um, and even on some of those older films like Anchorman you know it's got a lot of stuff that has hallmarks of his you know core belief system it's got a lot of mo- yeah. uh, toxic masculinity stuff of the 70s and a lot of like how news is portrayed these days versus back then and and you know so it's still something that's in his wheelhouse but at least it's like you know a small portion yeah. or at least it's the the undercurrent it's not banging you over the head and that's why i wonder what changed for him and i think it's literally just the big short was too successful well that's that's the problem of a lot of directors and oh man i'm trying
1: to think of some off the top of my head but when you're given a lot more um you you know you don't have to work as hard on it and you know i mean this is a bad example of course because spielberg just made an awesome movie but um you know like you know spielberg was given jaws and he couldn't use the robot a lot of the time because it wasn't working and so what did he do he made it right fantastic movie with the limited stuff he had. And so, you know, like Adam McKay wasn't going to be making an indictment of the local news industry with the toxic masculinity in the 70s. Like he couldn't make a movie about that. He made a movie about uh like, you know, a drunk (laughs) drunk anger man in the news (laughs) team that was just absolutely complete silly with nothing but nonstop jokes that did have this like underlying message and um and you're challenged a little bit more when you have that. And now he's not as, you know, challenged and you know I hope uh, the winning time show like is going to be something interesting because that's the uh, the uh, Lakers in the 80s. That's going to be a great HBO Max show. But
0: hopefully. yeah, but I, I'm actually looking forward to Bad Blood. It's about uh, the entrepreneur Elizabeth Holmes, who was like this kind of, you know, biotech wizard uh, that was supposed to be kind of like the female Steve Jobs who ended up. I think it was like an Im- or like some kind of like uh Ponzi scheme, t- something to she, like, where made like, up the technology, she up. made up yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know the story fully, but you know, basics that I know sounds like that is very much an Adam McKay uh, type of plot <laughs> that I could get behind, but I was also behind this movie, so I don't know what I know yeah. anymore. So I'm just going to keep going forward. Uh, I'm not as jazzed maybe to see his stuff. I need a win again to get me back in that, in that good graces again to, to really see. But, you know, I think he's one of those guys that I think definitely of all the people, you know, directors that may have peaked and then kind of, you know, gone through a rough patch or anything. I think he's so smart and he really knows what he's doing. I think that he can definitely, you know, put the, put the train back on the tracks and, and something like bad blood will definitely be, be into it. And, you know, I say this at the same time as he's also the guy who started helped start succession. Like he didn't, you know, he, yeah. he directed the pilot, I believe, yeah. or or he directed a few episodes and he's a producer on it. So it's not like, even while he's doing something that maybe I don't think works, he's still very successful in all different oh corners. So he, he doesn't need to listen to us. He doesn't need to listen <laughs> to anything. Very well. He's just going to, yeah. And, and he's going to get anything handed to him. And obviously we're, Maybe on the the opposite side of maybe some people who strongly love this movie. Um, I've even seen some critics say, if you don't love this movie, I don't trust your opinions going forward. So hopefully. Well, those are just uh, bad critics.
1: Like, really? Yeah,
0: that's (laughs) tough. That's that's a a silly thing to say. (laughs) I was like, cool. I'm just going to go into my room and cry now. Thank you. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's a tough beat, but. Hopefully, you know, we see more stuff from him in the future. And maybe, you know, because this worked out with Netflix, maybe we'll see some more where I'll I'll be able to cover them, too. So that'll be helpful, too. Um, Thanks so much, man. You did a great job on this. First time being on the pod. Love you. Love your stuff, man. I love listening to you guys on your podcast, too. Uh, Tell the people where they can find your stuff uh, and, and what they can look forward to coming up. Thank you so much for having me again, Andrew. This was an absolute blast. Like just like talking movies
1: and all that stuff is just great. Um, yeah, man. You can find me on math teacher movies on Instagram and on uh, uh, on uh, the guy at the movies podcast with Joe and Sean uh, available wherever you get your podcasts
0: excellent man yeah absolutely everybody check that out and yeah absolutely man if you want to come on anytime you know or even if because i know you're very concerned about the oscars getting things right <laughs> so you know if it comes to oscar nomination uh day and we're just like kind of scratching our head maybe i'll uh, pick your brain on some of those as well i'll be happy to do it all right man thanks a lot